Well, good morning. Uh, we want to welcome you to Genesis. My name is Paul Mumon. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, if you've got a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to take it and turn to the first book of the New Testament, uh, Matthew chapter 4. Uh, if you want to use something like the Version app, if you've got that on your phone, feel free to go there with us or around the room on the floor. We've got some Bibles. Uh, it's page 677 uh, in one of those Bibles, Matthew chapter 4. And uh, we'll pick up there uh, in just a couple of moments on uh, July 30th. 1985, uh, the public swimming pools in New Orleans closed early for the day, and they closed early so that the lifeguards and all of the staff could celebrate their first season in recent memory where no one had drowned in the New Orleans public swimming pools. And so that night, over 200 people uh, from the city gathered together. There was this great party thrown where there was food and drink, uh, dancing, and of course, lots of swimming. Uh, and at the very end of the night, around 11 p.m., one of the guards blew the whistle, signaling that it was time for everyone to get out of the pool. And when they did, they discovered the body of Jerome Moody, 31 years old, lying at the bottom of the deep end of the Olympic-sized pool, and he was dead. And so it marked the city's only drowning victim of the entire year uh, at the public pools, all while surrounded by 100 trained lifeguards. And you can imagine the outrage when uh, news like that broke uh, and all of the questions that followed, questions like, how in the world did something like this happen? Uh, how could people so trained to keep an eye out for others miss a man, a young man who was struggling for his life? Genesis Church, I want to remind you today that there are people all around you right now uh, and in your life. There are students in your school. There are people in your neighborhood. There are people in your home, people that you work with. Uh, there are people that are sitting around you today, uh, many and some who are struggling. There are those that are hurting. There are those that are drowning in their pain and with little to no hope at all in their life. And sometimes when you think about it, all it would take is one person. Uh, all it would take is one follower of Jesus reaching out to them, uh, initiating a friendship, uh, taking time to listen, to show grace, uh, one person who's willing to share truth with them and to think of the possibilities that could come from a friendship or a relationship like this. Genesis Church, I want to remind you today that it is our responsibility as a church and as disciples of Jesus Christ to make sure that we don't get caught, so caught up in our own celebration that we lose sight of those around us, those who might be drowning with little to no hope in Christ at all in their life. Because you know what? Maybe someone did that for you. And maybe there's somebody in your life, somebody that was pointing you to Jesus. And it's every reason why you're here and even with us in this room here today. But do you think that God might want to use you for the sake of someone else? I want to tell you today that he wants to. He has plans to. He'd love to use you. He wants to use every single one of us. He wants to use you to lead people to Christ. Our, our God wants to use you to help people grow in their relationship with Christ. I want to remind you today that God wants to make a disciple maker out of every single one of us here today. He wants us to follow him so that we can make disciples who can turn around and make other disciples as well. And so 
We're in the seventh and final week of this series that we've been in for a really long time, uh, but I trust and hope it's been a good one for everyone, a series we've called Profile. We've been talking about uh, the characteristics of a mature disciple, or uh, you could say, what, what does it mean? What's it look like to live a successful Christian life? Basically, uh, we've kind of made it our goal. Let, let, let's put a target out there in front of us, all of us, and say, you know, what are those things that we want to aim for? I mean, if we want to grow up as followers of Jesus, if we want to live this successful Christian life, if we want to mature in our faith, what, what's that look like? Again, what, what are those things that we want to see God produce in us? And so we've taken our cue from John chapter 15, 8, Jesus' words, where he says, uh, this is to my Father's glory. Or basically, hey, here's what gets God's attention. It's when his children, all right, it's when, when you and I, that we bear much fruit in our lives, showing ourselves to be disciples. And so from this, we've just been trying to paint a picture uh, for these last seven weeks. And we're going to continue talking about these things in the months to come, but basically of what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to call yourself a Christian, all right, in 2016. And so uh, to just kind of briefly summarize what we've been doing over these last seven weeks together, we talk about what it means to, to follow Jesus, what it means to, look, to pattern every aspect of your life after Jesus. We want him to be our model, all right, when it comes to how we live our life, all right, and everything that we do. And so from there, we talked about what it means to glorify God, that it's not about drawing attention to ourselves or what we accomplish in our time on this earth, but how can we bring glory to God in all things? How can we make sure that the spotlight is on him? And then to kind of break it down very specifically, we've been walking through these four fundamental areas that we believe that God wants to produce in each one of us. And so talking about things like identity, talking about things like intimacy and integrity, and we wrap up today by talking about influence. And I just want to say that if you've missed any of this series, if you've missed every week of this series, maybe you're new with us to Genesis, if you want to get to know who we are, what we're up to, and where we believe the Lord is leading us as a church, I hope you'll carve out some time to go back and listen to any or all of these messages, all right? And you can do that through our app or through our website. But this is important material. These are the things we're going to teach new people who come to Genesis to help show them, help them understand who we are, what we're doing, and where we're going as a church. And so I hope you'll check these out if you've missed any along the way. But today we're going to look at this last of the four eyes that we've been talking about. Again, uh, these eyes are what we want God to produce in us. This is the fruit, all right, that we believe that he's getting at. It's not a complete list, but we've just kind of narrowed it down and said, you know what, if we can grow in these things, if we can go after these four things, well, we can help to do some things for God's kingdom here on this earth. And so the last eye is influence. And right away we want to ask, well, what does it mean to have influence? All right, what's it mean to grow in influence today as Jesus sees it? Or how, how can we do that? And, and really, how does it relate to our faith? And so let's take a look at what Jesus told his followers, his disciples in Matthew chapter 4, and then we'll go from there. And so uh, just to set the stage for you briefly, uh, Jesus has been doing ministry for over a year and a half at this point, and there are a small group of men who have been spending significant time with Jesus, getting to know him, better understanding his priorities and his mission. And when the time was right, Jesus extended an invitation to these men, an invitation uh, to take the next step in their walk with Christ. I mean, Jesus had been helping these men grow in their faith, understanding their identity, helping them understand the importance of, uh, of things like a relationship with the Father. But now he wants to teach them how to apply those things in such a way that they can go out and influence others, that they can help others come to Christ. He wants to help show them how they can help lead others to Christ and to grow in their faith, really, to make disciples. And so these words in Matthew 4, 19 are just yet simple 
and profound all at the same time. Jesus said, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. It's Jesus' way of saying, I want you to follow me. I want you to pattern every aspect of your life after me. Let me teach you what I do, all right, and how you can do the same for others. It's Jesus' way of saying, let's help people find their way back to God together. Let's do this together. And so this command here has everything to do with influence. That's what Jesus is getting at. And when we talk about influence, we're talking about disciple-making, all right, helping others come to Christ, all right? We want to be about leading people to Christ. We have a responsibility to do this. We also want to help others grow in their faith in Christ, learning to stand on their own uh, feet. And so it's a command, and it's a command that's issued to every single one of us, which means that if you're a student right now, no matter whether you're in high school or middle school, whether you're in college, no matter whether you're a homeschool student or you're in public schools right now, this command is for you. Again, it's for every college student, no matter what campus you're on right now. It's for every man or woman. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're married or single. It has nothing to do with whether you're young or retired. It's for every single one of us. No one is exempt. It doesn't matter who you are. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, his desire is to send you out to fish for people, all right? He wants to give you influence, influence with others in your neighborhood. He wants to give you influence with those in your school. He wants to give you influence with those you work with so that you can make disciples of others. And so 2,000 years ago, Jesus spoke this, these words to these men. They're still relevant for us today. Jesus said, come now, follow me, and I will send you out. I want to give you influence with the people that come into your life, the people that are currently in your life. I want to send you out to fish for people. Well, from this command in Matthew, we learn three things about influence. If you're taking notes today, there are some blanks at the bottom of the page there, but uh, three things that we learn about influence, just briefly. The first one is this, that influence is relational. Uh, we want to see that in Jesus' words here in Matthew 4, 19. Notice that Jesus says, follow me. Here's the thing. Look, we can have all sorts of influence, all right, with all kinds of people. We can be the expert who knows all about sports. We can be the expert on things like photography or home repair or hunting or politics, fitness, health, or fashion, you know. God can give us influence through these things as a way of connecting with other people. Again, we can have influence in all sorts of areas, but the most important influence that we have with anyone is when it, well, is when it comes to spiritual matters. Uh, because it doesn't matter who you are or, again, what your background is or what your story is. If you call yourself a Christian... You need to be making disciples. And to do that, Jesus is very clear that we have to follow him. We've got to look to him. We've got to model our lives after him. We must stay connected to him. You have to be growing in your relationship with Jesus in order to do these things if you hope to make disciples. It's as Jesus says in John chapter 15, that we have to abide in him, that we have to stay connected to the vine, Jesus Christ, as our source of life and strength and for everything that we need. And so this first step uh, in having influence with others is all about that relational aspect. The second is that influence is intentional. Uh, notice that what Jesus says, he says, follow me and I will send you. Uh, maybe your translation says, I, I will make you. And so I, I think that just runs right up against that if any part of you says, you know what, this isn't for me, all right, this isn't my gifting or uh, I'm not ready or I'm not qualified to do something like this, I don't know how to make disciples, I want to assure you that no one starts off knowing how to make disciples, all right? This is a skill that needs to be practiced. It's a skill that needs to be developed. Like, look at it like this. My family gets a kick out of my inability to write cursive. 
All right? You know, I'm talking about, I know that's kind of a lost art today. No one's learning how to write cursive anymore. Well, when I was a kid, they were teaching how to write cursive. So I learned it in something like second or third grade, but I only applied it when I had to. I only applied it when there was an assignment. And so I would always print. And so even today, I still print. And I print with block letters. I do it all the time. Every once in a while, I've got to write something in cursive. And I can do my own signature just fine. But if I have to write anything else, I revert back to second grade. And I have to literally like hold my wrist and guide, you know, the pencil. And okay, how do I make a B again? And it's very slow. Like I remember one time we were closing on our home and Jenny wasn't able to be there. So I had to sign her name like 20 times. And so to write Jennifer over and over again, you know, it's like the J and how does that go into the E, and so it's quite comical if you watch me uh, trying to write cursive. Why is it so hard for me? I, I never developed the skill, all right? I didn't stick with it, all right? I haven't practiced it in a really long time. Disciple making is a skill that has to be practiced. Uh, it's a skill that must be developed, and we'll talk about one practical way that you can start practicing disciple making. And how you can do that even in just a little bit when you walk out of these doors, all right? And how you can make it a part of your life. But here's the promise. Jesus says that if we follow him, uh, if, that he will make us, all right? He will make uh, us into men and women and students who can fish for people, who can be disciple makers. Think about it. No one becomes a lifeguard before they learn how to swim, all right? You learn to swim first, all right? And then you learn to save people in the very same way our Christian life begins when we trust Jesus, all right? We start following him and we learn about things like our identity and what intimacy with the Lord looks like and integrity. But as we're learning these things, we begin to realize that Jesus wants to send us out to fish for people. And then with the help of others, we can learn how to do that. We can learn how to fish for people. And so influence is relational, influence is intentional. The last thing is this, that influence is missional. And here's what I mean by this. Here's what Jesus wants for each of us. Here's what I want for every person in our church. I want influence or disciple-making to become your life's mission. And when I say that, I I mean that I want it to get such a grip on you. I want it to become such a passion in your life that, you know, for you high school students, as you think about next steps after college, as you think about, or after high school, or maybe the, the college that you'll attend, that all of a sudden that becomes a prayer really for you of, Lord, well, where do you want to use me? Uh, What do you have in mind for me? What are the next steps that you want to take in my life? Who are the people that you want to put me around so that I can fish for people? If you're in college right now, I mean, to commit yourself to being a disciple maker doesn't necessarily mean that you've got to change your major, all right? It might, but maybe all of a sudden your perspective, the things that you see, the opportunities before you, I mean, that really becomes a prayer for you of like, well, Lord, where do you want me? Where do you want to use me? Where do you want to send me? Who are the people that you want to put in my life? All of a sudden, your job takes on a whole new uh, mission, you know? There's new significance there. As you start seeing the people around you, you know, the people that you're living with, the people that are around you in your life right now, I, I, I pray, I want God to get such a grip on my life and on your life that you can't, that we can't help but see every person, every relationship, every opportunity through the eyes of Jesus. And that's why our mission as a church is helping people find their way back to God. But I want to be sure that helping people find their way back to God isn't just Genesis' mission, but that it's your mission too. All right? And it's, a, it's, a, it's at the very core of who you are. And so we've got to take this seriously. All right? There, there's so much to do. The, the harvest is plentiful, as Jesus said. Consider this. <clears throat> we did some research 
a few years ago before we launched our Carmel campus. And what we found was pretty staggering. We found that even in a place like Hamilton County, and with all of the great and awesome churches in this county, which there are, there are a number of great churches in this county, that there are something like 200,000 people right now that don't have a church, that don't go to church anywhere, and many of them without a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's 200,000 people in this county. That's 200,000 men and women and boys and girls, many who have never been introduced to a God that loves them, a God that created them, a God that sent Jesus for them. And so that means that if Jesus were to return today, how many of them would spend eternity separated from God in hell? That has to break our hearts. Like it should break our hearts. Why doesn't it break our hearts more? Like what needs to happen in your life? What needs to happen in my life? I mean, it, it doesn't break my heart like it should. And so I've been praying these things. I've mean, just been praying, Lord, break my heart for people who don't know you. And so I was reading this verse one morning a couple of weeks ago, and interestingly enough, it popped up in my devotion this morning as I was reading my Bible, but it's convicting me. It's, it's challenging me in the way that I see people and see people around me each day. It comes out of Mark uh, chapter 6, verse 34. Mark records Jesus. Uh, he, he says, when Jesus landed... And saw a large crowd. Look what Jesus did. It says he had compassion on them. And why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so God's really using this verse for me. And man, I mean, if you let it, it'll challenge you. It'll challenge the way that you see people around you right now. It'll challenge the way uh, you see people that you don't know. And so I don't know about you, but I want God to produce in me the same kind of compassion that Jesus had. And I want to see people as Jesus saw people, especially those recognizing those who are lost and without a shepherd right now in their life. Listen, what Jesus invited his disciples to do, he's invited us to do the same today. This message, this mission still applies for us today. No matter who you are, Jesus wants to train you and send you out to fish for people. God wants to use you to make disciples of others. And that means that he wants to use you to lead people to Christ but there's also a really good chance that he's maybe putting some people around you right now. There might even be some people in this room right now who have just come to faith in Christ but are really needing somebody to come alongside of them and help them grow in their faith and understand who they are in Christ and this work that they've been called to as well. And so how do you do this? All right, where do you start in this? Well, I want to remind you today, I want to point out that it's as simple as it really starts at home. You know, again, who are the people that God has put the closest to you but at the same time, it starts in your neighborhood, all right? The people that you're living around, the people that you see every day, uh, it has to do with the people where you work. Again, it's the people that you go to school with. The truth is this, you've got people in your life right now who don't have a relationship with Jesus, all right? And at the same time, there, there's a person or there's persons in your life with, with which you can have influence, all right? That God has put them there for a reason. He's put you there with them for a reason. And, and if you don't have anyone like that in your life, if you can't think of anybody, you got to get around some people, all right? Join a club, join a group or something. You know, get around some people, you know, that don't have a relationship with the Lord and then get to know them and build relationships with them and friendships so that you can have these intentional conversations. And to the question of, well, how do you begin those conversations? How, how do you begin to invest in someone that doesn't have a relationship with the Lord? Or, or again, maybe God wants to use you in the life of someone else that has just recently come to Christ. How do you disciple a person like that? Well, I want to wrap up today by sharing with you just one practical tool, 
all right, that can be helpful in thinking about the people that the Lord has put in your life right now and maybe some next steps that you can take in growing and establishing a friendship or a relationship uh, with them. And so again, this is something you can start today, all right, and even as we leave in just a few minutes here that you can really put into practice. And it's a, a method of disciple making, again, that will impact the way that you see people and it'll help you think through the time that you spend with them and the conversations that you have with others. And so uh, we call it this. We call it spiritual CPR, all right? And you've maybe heard us talk about this before, and if you haven't, it's not to be confused with physical CPR, but I thought this was kind of funny. Here's a picture of our staff. Uh, it was from a couple of years ago, all getting trained in CPR and having lots of fun uh, together. We always are having a good time. But uh, while there are some similarities, it's not to be confused with the physical CPR. Uh, but again, uh, spiritual CPR is something to be used in spiritual situations. It, it's a way uh, to develop and enhance uh, Christ-centered friendships with the people that God has put in your life. And so if you're taking notes, I wanna walk you through each of these letters briefly. Again, CPR, uh, it stands for cultivate. Uh, the P stands for plant. And the R stands for reap or, or reaping. And so let me walk you through these briefly and help you understand uh, how these can help you as you fish for people, all right, even starting today. And so letter C is for cultivate. All right, it just means cultivate. And that just means that when it comes to the people, all right, that God has put around you, it's our responsibility as followers of Jesus to be intentional at building relationships and friendships with the people around us. Consider this. Uh, in Indiana, cultivating is what a farmer does with the soil in the spring, right? They get in and they work the soil, all right, for the sake of the harvest that's going to be produced uh, in the fall. And so in spiritual terms, cultivating is really where you work on the friendship, all right? You work on establishing a friendship. It's where you work intentionally to establish things like love and trust uh, in a friendship with someone else. And so I hope that encourages you today, anyone today, and how you can take the first steps in this. Because I'm not asking you to walk out of these doors to go up to the first person that you encounter on the streets today and say, hey, how are you, yada, 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 do you wanna know Jesus? Jesus, all right? All right. I don't think that's the most effective way, all right, to do that. And it's not to say that a direct question like that isn't ever appropriate. Again, I'm just not sure it's the most effective. Like, look at it like this. I remember I was on a college campus one time, a big school, and I, I was walking through the quad with a buddy, and I heard some shouting uh, from one particular busy intersection of students, and it was this street preacher of sorts uh, shouting out verses to students as they were walking by. Now, it's not that I disagreed with the verses. I'm just not so sure that's the best method, all right, to help anyone get to know Jesus. But what is more effective is taking the time to get to know somebody and really getting to know someone as a person and working hard to understand what's going on in their life. You cultivate a friendship, all right, and not because they're a project, right, but this is what the Lord's called us to. And so you cultivate a friendship and you build a friendship, which means that you take time to get to know someone's story. You take time to get to know their family, their work, their interests, their hobbies, their ups and downs. You're learning to listen, all right? Cultivating and listening go hand in hand. We want to be really good at listening. There's a story uh, told from the very early years of Christianity about a monk who lived all alone in the desert. And it was there that he spent a lot of time in prayer and meditating and studying the scriptures. And a couple of times a year, he would come in from the desert. All right? He'd interrupt his time uh, for prayer, coming into town for supplies. But when he would come into town, uh, people would line up by the hundreds 
all right, to come into this hut and have a chance to sit down one and one and talk with him. And so one man was tremendously curious about why people would stand in line for hours and sometimes days, you know, to have a conversation with this monk. Like, what in the world could he be saying that was so profound? And so history shows that his curiosity led him to get in line, and he too waited for hours and hours for his turn to sit in front of this man. And when it was finally his turn, he sat down across from this holy man only to discover that the man said nothing. He had nothing profound to say. This man, this monk, would just sit there and listen. He was really good at listening, so good that people would stand in line for hours just to have someone who was willing to hear them. More than you might realize, there are people all around you right now, people that God has put in your path, people that are desperate to be heard, desperate to have someone that they trust, desperate to have someone who will listen. And as we take time to cultivate relationships with others, we've got an opportunity to build trust and to build friendships by listening and listening well. And when we listen, I think we're going to do a much better job of understanding. <clears throat> Stephen Covey in his bestseller, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, tells the story of being on a New York subway one day, quietly reading a book when he was interrupted by two rambunctious little boys on the train. They were there with their father, and the, the two children he wrote were just loud, just very loud and very disruptive, out of control, jumping up and down and shouting and just running loudly through the subway car. And the father seemed not to really care, not to notice what was going on. He really didn't seem to care that his children were misbehaving and really disturbing others. And so finally, Stephen Covey couldn't take it anymore. And he approached the father and he explained that, hey, you need to get control of your kids, all right? I'm trying to get some things done here. And the father agreed in that moment, and he sighed, saying, yeah, I just don't know what to do right now. I don't really know what to say to them. We just came from the hospital where their mother died. Ouch, Covey wrote. And he used this story to remind us that of those things that we might learn as we begin to cultivate friendships with people around us. And as we better understand their conditions, again, those things that are going on in their life. Because if you're like me at all, I mean, you've got people in your life right now, and you think you know them, or we've concluded that they need nothing, or they really have no desire to know the Jesus that we know. But what might happen as you get to know them and get to know their story? What might happen as you work hard at building a friendship with someone that God has put in your life? Jesus was great at cultivating relationships and his friends and enemies both referred to him as a friend of sinners. Would someone say that of you? Would they say that of Genesis? That we're friends of sinners and are we allowing God to use us to give us influence for the sake of others? And so C is for cultivate. Again, this is where we develop and deepen our Christ-centered friendships. Letter P is for plant. All right, we want to be intentional all right, in our relationships and friendships. We want to be great at listening, all right? We want to be the best at building trust, you know? We want to be that person that someone else can count on. And at some point, as followers of Christ, though, we have to be ready to plant seeds of truth into these friendships that we're establishing. And again, Jesus was great at this. He was a great model of this. Like in John chapter 4, when Jesus encountered the Samaritan woman in the wilderness, and he asked one simple question of her. He said, can I have a drink of water? All right, could it be any more simple? But his question will eventually give way to a spiritual conversation. And from there, Jesus will begin planting seeds about God. He, he found an, an effective way to introduce God into the conversation. 
Here's how planting can go for you and for me when it comes to our conversations with others. It has everything to do with good questions, uh, that we can ask great questions, you know, and it's looking for doors to open in the conversation, doors that provide you an opportunity to share your faith in Christ. I mean, for someone who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, uh, planting seeds of truth with them could involve asking a question like, hey, what's stressing you out right now? Uh, or maybe to ask them a question of, hey, where do you find fulfillment? Or uh, what, what in life is disappointing to you right now? And so we ask those questions, all right? We ask them intentionally and genuinely, but then we're ready to respond. I mean, you're ready to talk about what the Lord is doing in your life. Uh, you're ready to share a story of how he's helped you along the way. Maybe there's a verse that's impacted you, or you're ready to tell your story again. Or maybe one of the best steps that we can take with some of those friendships that we have right now is to ask the question, how can I pray for you? Uh, how can I pray for you? I, I was listening to someone recently, and he, ch he challenged me. He challenged all of us that were listening by asking, do you know that you have people in your life right now that have never, ever had anyone pray for them? Can you imagine that? That there are people around you in your life right now that have never had anyone speak a prayer or pray a prayer for them. What if you could be that first prayer for someone else, to offer that prayer for them? See, sharing your faith, doing things like pointing God's truth, telling your story, praying for others. These are just a few ways that we can plant those seeds in the friendships that we're developing. And as you're cultivating friendships with others, pray about these things, all right? Don't just wait till they happen, but make it a part of your regular daily prayer to pray for that friend, to pray for that friendship, to pray for those next steps, to pray for God to lead you into some conversations where you'll have an opportunity to share your faith and hope with others. Again, planting is where we insert those seeds of God's truth into the friendship. And so we cultivate those relationships and friendships. We plant those seeds of truth. And the last thing is we, well, we reap the results. Yeah, we get to reap the results. And if you've done your work of cultivating and planting well, reaping is all about bringing in the spiritual harvest. And uh, <clears throat> in terms of spiritual CPR, uh, reaping can be challenging someone to respond in obedience to God and then trusting that God will produce something new in that person's life. Because here's what's gonna happen. If you spend enough time with someone, all right, if, you, if you're praying for them, if you're taking those opportunities and obediently planting seeds of truth, there's gonna come a time where you're gonna have to challenge your friend to take the next step, uh, to really take the most important step that they'll ever take in their life. It's the step to put their faith and trust in Jesus. And this is where you're ready. And we'll do some work and making sure that we're all ready for moments like that about how do you share the gospel with someone else, you know? And this is where you talk about the reality of sin, but the gift that we have been given in Jesus Christ as our Savior and as our Lord and how we have victory over sin and death through Jesus. And I just got to tell you, and I know that some of you know that, but there's nothing like that. Like there's nothing like that moment. All right, and seeing that transformation in someone's life. You know, there's nothing like celebrating someone who's given their life to the Lord. I've got a friend, someone I just played a small part uh, in their transformation a few years back, and I got to baptize him here, and he lives away from here now, and he attends another church, but I got to have lunch with him this past week, and, you know, now four or five years later, it's just so exciting, it's so encouraging to see all of the work that God is doing in his life and how he's not only changed his life, but how that's changed his family and uh, the purpose that he found, finds in his work now and how he's making an effort to disciple other people. I know some of you have had opportunities like that where you've helped others come to Christ. Uh, some of you have been there for others who are growing in their faith 
in Christ. What could be more important? We are called to these things, every one of us, to fish for people, to make disciples. Now, here's what I hope that's doing for you. I I hope it's got you asking today, who for me? I I hope you have some names and some faces that are coming to mind right now, thinking about who's God put into your life, you know, and and even thinking about next steps, like with who can I cultivate a friendship or a greater friendship or, or in what current relationships do I need to be planting the gospel and sharing a little bit of my faith or... Or is there a person in your life right now that, well, maybe in one of those next conversations, you need to challenge them to trust Christ? And and here's the thing. If you don't have anyone like that at all right now, consider Jesus' words in John 4, 35, when he says, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. I just challenge you today to open your eyes, to look around you right now. Who are the people that God has put in your life? Those who are like sheep, without a shepherd. I want to lead you in a short exercise uh, before we conclude today. And it's a simple exercise just to get you thinking about the people that God has put around you in your life and the influence that you really have. And so uh, when you walked in today, hopefully you received one of our message notes cards. And if you're following along on the app, I think we've got these notes on there too, if that's what you prefer. But if you've got this, take it out for just a moment. Or if necessary, grab a piece of paper or something if you need to. But uh, if you've got this, take it out. And I want you to take a look at it for just a moment. And I want you to, get, I want you to start thinking about two or three Uh, potential harvest fields that you have around you right now. And and when I say that, what I mean is, you know, it could be your work, all right, the people that you work with each day. It could be your school. uh, It could be a team that you're on. Again, it could be your neighborhood. It could be a a team that you coach, you know. Maybe you're working with kids and parents right now. But I want you in that very top line, when you think about potential mission fields, to write down one, two, or three environments where you encounter people regularly. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds to do that. Just write those down right now. as you're doing that, I hope some names and faces are coming to mind. Maybe there's some individuals you're already, well, you're doing some of these things, or maybe the Lord's going to bring to mind a name or a face of someone that you recognize. That's, that's someone I need to spend some more time with. Would you write down one or two or three names today where it says potential disciples there right now? Again, who are a couple of people? Again, maybe you're already doing some of that work, but maybe you recognize I've, I've got some things to do. Write down one or two or three names uh, if you would. Uh, it could be somebody that doesn't have a relationship with the Lord. Maybe, maybe you don't know where they stand. But at the same time, and this counts too, maybe it's somebody that's close to you here today. Maybe it's somebody that you're getting to know here at Genesis. But you think, you know what, I, I, bet, I bet I have something to offer. But I could help them as they get started in their faith and in their walk with the Lord. One or two names. Go ahead.
Here's what I want to ask you to do next. Maybe there's one. One of those few names that you just wrote. Circle that name if you want. This is yours. You're not going to do anything with this card. But will you take a moment and just pray for that individual? And, And not only that, but maybe pray and ask, Lord, what's my next step? And even keep some of those words in mind, words like cultivate and plant and reap. Just just ask the Lord, Lord, what's my next step? What could that be? What's the next step that I could take in really developing this friendship with this someone else? Go ahead. Now that you have all that, here's what I want to challenge you to do. Uh, On that last line there, it says, I will do this by. And uh, maybe what is that next step for you? Maybe it's, you know what, I'm going to schedule a time for coffee. I'm going to take this person out to lunch. I I know I'm going to encounter this person in the yard. And so the next time that that happens, I'm I'm going to really look towards having a conversation or having someone over for dinner. It's just a way of doing something to show you care, doing something to work on cultivating that relationship, that friendship. So write that down on there, that card if you would, it's yours. And and let's be reminded, Jesus said the harvest is ready and the workers are few. Genesis Church, we wanna be the workers, all right? We wanna take this command of Jesus seriously to be the workers that Jesus wants us to be to help make disciples of others. And to do that, we've got to stay close to Jesus. And as you stay close to Jesus and as we stay close to him, he's going to equip us and train us. He's going to send us out to fish for people. He wants to give us influence and with increasing measure so that we can make disciples of others. And as a church and as followers of Christ, let's be sure that we don't get so caught up in our own party that we lose sight of others that might be struggling around us right now. And so will you make that commitment with me today? You're willing to make that commitment to open yourself to the possibility of what God wants to do through you. And for those of you right now that are thinking, I can't do this. I'm inadequate. I'm unqualified. Let's go back one more time, one last time to this verse that we've been looking to all throughout this series. John 15, 8. Jesus says that it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. And so I want to end today by asking you to think about this piece of fruit, uh, this apple. And uh, man, what happens when you cut an apple in two? Well, 
you cut an apple in two, and what you find is on the inside, you, f- you find the seeds. And uh, what's remarkable about these seeds is that these seeds contain all of the DNA necessary to produce what? Careful, don't say apple. It's an apple tree, right? But what about a whole orchard of apple trees producing apples? You may not think you have what it takes, but here's the thing, as follower of Jesus, you have all of the DNA inside of you to bear much fruit, the fruit that Jesus wants to bear through you. You can do this. You can help others find their way back to God and at the same time find greater significance and purpose even in your own life. Man, what, what, what a joy for us to do that individually and as a church. Let's make disciples. Let's do it. Let's help people find their way back to God together. Let's pray. Father, we pray. We, uh, we need your help. We need your help so that even more can find their way back to God. I, I want that in my life. I, I want that for every person here today. We, we want that for our church, Lord. Uh, we want to help people find their way back to God. And we know we've got a lot to learn from, from Jesus in this, but we thank you in giving us not only a Savior, but a model, an example, and a friend. And um, I pray today, Lord, that there would be faith in each person here, clarity and no doubts that we can do this. And so give us the boldness, give us the courage, even as we walk out of here, to live in faith, faith for others, faith for the sake of Christ and all for your glory, Lord. Let's give us a greater passion for the people around us, the people that you're putting into our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.